Welcome to another episode of Beauty and the Breakdown. I am your host, Billy Riot, coming at you live from deep in the Bible Belt in Columbia, South Carolina, where the pollen is falling out of the trees and onto the ground like a judgment from God. Man, it is brutal out there, and I hope everyone's snot is at a reasonable level. I want to start this episode off with some um, with some clips. I found a lot of clips. And in case you haven't listened to the other episodes and you're just joining us, I play clips of people that I find on TikTok. And uh, there's people all over the place. I could get on YouTube and look for it, but you know what? Uh, you know, TikTok is a little bit more self-explanatory and a little bit shorter, and it's great for using as samples, and it's quite convenient because I like to get on TikTok rather than watching TV because I have developed my own uh, algorithm. So uh, I'm just going to play some clips that I've found during the duration of this episode. I'm also going to play... Um, some samples from my pastor at my church. Um, they post their stuff on uh, YouTube. Um, and some of the stories just hit home with me on a personal level to where it applies so much and it's so thick and so transformative for me that I just can't help but not to share it. And um, so I'm going to play this first clip of this dude and I want you to hear what this guy has to say about his church, okay? Check it out. I have to say this. If you show up to my church and I can tell you've been drinking or that you just barely came in from the bar or you're on drugs or I know that you've been doing bad things, I want you to know I'm gonna come up to you, I'm gonna hug you, and I'm gonna welcome you to church because that's exactly where you need to be. And that is exactly the only right response whenever you walk in that building is for people to come up to you and hug you and welcome you and ask you how they can help you and pray for you. I remember the first time I walked into church, I was 45 minutes late, I was emaciated from drugs, I was barefoot, I had long hair, and I was wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt. And I thought, I'm gonna get struck by lightning. And then I walked in that building, and I was like, I'm just gonna sneak in the back real quick. I'm gonna sit in the back row for five, 10 minutes, whatever it is, for the rest of the sermon, because I was late, and I'm gonna go have barbecue with these people because I'm hungry. And I walked in the door and there's about nine pews. I'm like, well, there's no hiding me now. I guess this means that uh, lightning's gonna strike. And they all turned around and they all looked at me and I was like, here it comes. And then the pastor looked at me and he said, come on in, let me tell you what we're talking about. And so I did, I was like, I don't know, I don't know how to respond to this. I thought I was gonna get hated on. And I came up and sat in the front row and he briefed on his whole sermon. And at the end of it, he said, does anybody need prayer? And I'm thinking, I do. But I had all these excuses. And the guy next to me is nudging me and goes, get up, man, he's talking to you. And so I stood up and we prayed. And uh, I said, what can I do for you, young man? I'm like, well, I think I wanna, think I wanna be baptized. And he said, why is that? I'm like, because I'm a sinner. And I just started crying. So we prayed <clears throat> and he turned me around. And he said, all the angels in heaven rejoice when even one sinner comes to repentance. And I can hear them shouting for joy for this young man. I want you all to come up here and welcome him into the family of God. And then they did. They got in a line and they came up and they hugged my neck and they shook my hand and they gave me scriptures and they welcomed me into the family of God and they were kind to me and they treated me like a person. And that is how you should be treated when you walk into church.
church. So if you come to my church, I just want you to know that's how I'm going to treat you. I love you guys. Isn't that incredible? I think that that is so warm, welcoming, beautiful. Isn't that what everybody wants in life is to be accepted, is to be loved, cherished, have friends? I mean, most of the time, if you're down and you're depressed and you don't want anything to do with anybody, you, you know, you're still lonely and you want, you want some kind of companionship, you know, um, I was at church last Sunday and the pastor, it wasn't the title of his message, but he said something that really stuck out to me. And he, and he said, is Jesus your janitor? And it, I laughed at first when I thought about that because I remembered um, the janitors that I had when I was in school. And he gave the analogy of when he was in school, you know, you never you never really talked to the janitors. You never really hung out with the janitors. You know, you just saw them every time somebody, you know, threw up or, you know, spilled something. Um, I don't want to take all the credit from the sermon. I would rather play the clip of my pastor talking about the janitor. And then I'm going to back it up with my own story about a janitor. So check this out. So there's a special place for those that press in for intimacy and for those that love the return of the Lord. That's why I keep preaching. I, and I, I started this about, I don't know, five, six years ago, I said the rest of my ministry is going to be devoted to getting people to move into an intimate walk with Christ. That is the vital thing. And there is a reward for those that will prioritize intimacy. You see, when we prioritize intimacy, he is the Lord of Lords. If we don't prioritize intimacy, then he's our janitor in the basement. He's crisis manager. I remember Mr. Richardson or in, in my elementary school, quiet man, unassuming. I, I think I could count on my fingers the number of words I heard him say in six years at Agnes McReynolds Elementary School. He was a wonderful man, but you almost never saw him until somebody threw up or somebody wet their pants or somebody spilled a tray of food or knocked over the paint on art day. And then the teachers would call and he would come with his mop in his bucket. He'd clean up without a word and then he'd leave. And we were happy. We had him till the next crisis. We want to be sure, oh, we'll go to heaven because we go to heaven by the grace of God. But we, when we go to heaven, we want to be sure we know him as something more than the janitor in the basement. We want him to be the Lord of our lives. That's the crown of righteousness. I wanted to name this episode Jesus the Janitor um, because when I heard my pastor say that, um, give that analogy, I thought to myself, boy, did I ever have a time like that, you know, because I used to, as you heard in the previous episode, I had a good walk with the Lord for a while. Uh, I didn't come to the end of my ropes during that portion of the walk, <clears throat> but after I let myself go chose not to uh, necessarily, how do I say it? 
I still believed in God. I didn't get bitter with God. I lost a lot of things in my life. I got hit with some hardships. I never shook my fist at him. I never got mad. I never cursed God. But then again, the way I chose to live was very self-destructive. And that, that way in and of itself was a denial of God. <clears throat> I didn't make him Lord over my life, you know. And just to be clear for those that, you know, don't, don't understand that spiritually, um, it's not like you don't have a say or what to do in your life. It's like my, that, pa- that same pastor, I, I heard him say once, when you, when you decide to become a Christian and you follow Christ wholeheartedly, you can still sin. You just don't enjoy it anymore. Because he's alive in you, and his, his word doesn't return void, and it's real, and it's intimate. When you stop caring about the intimacy, and you stop diving into the things that can expand your horizons to understand the things of God, uh, it becomes distant. It becomes something that you might still hold on to and cherish from time to time. Um, God forbid you just turn into one of those people that, you know, just goes to church when you're supposed to go to church, like Easter, Christmas, or some baby dedication or something like that. I'm not fully condemning it. I'm just saying, wow, you know, you really have, you're really not plugged in, you know, on a daily basis. Because going to church should be something that you enjoy if it's a good church. Some people for a long period of time go to what they think is a great church and some of the people that are involved there really hurt other people. No one's perfect. Um, I was hurt by some folks that I used to go to church with. But you know what? I believe in God more than I believe in them. So they're not really in my life anymore. They're kind of scattered and sent abroad. I don't know where they are, and I'm not going to chase them down. Uh, I don't hold any bitterness against them. But for a while, when I unplugged myself from God, and I'm talking about personally, and I chose not to live that life anymore, I chose not to, not to wake up every day and be in his word. I chose every day to drink more. Reminds me of that old George Carlin joke. You know, things you never hear. Dad, you really ought to drink more. That was me. There I was. Just, ugh. So, so glad I'm not doing that anymore. But I would like to give an analogy to a, a personal story that I have about Jesus being the janitor. When I was in elementary school, um, there was a janitor at my school by the name of Mr. Baxter. Everybody loved Mr. Baxter. Whenever we saw Mr. Baxter, we always said, hey, Mr. Baxter. And Mr. Baxter would always be like, and I'm not over-exaggerating at all. We could never understand a thing that man said unless it was, hey, how you doing? Or go on, get to class. But he loved everybody, and he was such a great human. There was one day 
I will never forget it. We had these round tables that sat super low for us short little fifth graders. And we were all sitting there, and it was Mr. Baxter's birthday. And the principal got on the morning announcements and said, Today is Mr. Baxter's birthday, and we are going to let him express his gratitude for all of you because he is thankful that he, you know, basically is where he is and that, it, that, he's, that he feels love. You know, it was it was a beautiful moment. I'll never forget it. But there was also something really funny about the moment, considering that no one could ever understand what the man said, except for those couple things I mentioned earlier. This dude got on the microphone, started feedbacking a little bit, and he just started talking. And it was basically like, I've been doing that. I did you for a couple I did bang on, bang bang gay. I bang, baby teacher. Baby bang, I did bang bang. And then the principal got the microphone back and just said, thank you, Mr. Back. I've always remembered that moment. It never really occurred to me that I could use that as an analogy. And how it would fit about my life with Christ. There are lots of pivotal points that I had in my life while not necessarily daily pursuing God. And I longed to have the feelings back. And I knew that I just needed more of God in my life. I was scared to death for a long period of time when I heard things or remembered the things that I read in the scripture like, you know, Basically, um, if you believed and you backslide, then you're going to be worse than an unbeliever. And I was like, ah, here I am. I'm screwed now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a high place in hell. It's like, I, uh, it's like I officially have a backstage pass to the lake of fire. I love the story of the prodigal son because I don't necessarily think that it's about us being born and then finding God because God's love is so deep and so wide and so amazing that I think as we give our lives to Christ, you know, they talk about us or him lifting his hand from our lives sometimes, you know, letting us go a certain way, you know, as a parent, I, there's been plenty of times where I've been like, all right, you're not going to listen to me. You go on over that way and you see what it does to you. And when you come back over here, I'll, I'll be right here waiting on you because I love my child. And, I, you know, they got to learn for themselves. And I think a lot of the times that that's what the story of the prodigal son is. Um, I love that story. And I'm not going to elaborate on it too much on this episode because I want to focus on the janitor thing. I, in that time period between my seriously dedicated walk, my backing away, and to now, I always thought that I just needed God and that I could never, ever get him back again because of the way that I wanted to live and I could not get away from it. I thought about the, the certain people that were in my life. 
I thought about, well, I'll just have to go find another church, and all those people in that one church, they really bothered me, so I'm probably going to run into a bunch of jerks again or a bunch of judgmental pricks, and they're going to point their finger at me, blah, 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 blah. And the more that I started going through life not following God, uh, I drank more, and I was very self-destructive. And I started judging others that were twice as self-destructive as I was, but in all actuality, they weren't. We're all there together. But I started feeling that maybe um, I could not go back. I couldn't run back. I couldn't drop everything and just go back. It says, come as you are, right? So as you heard in that first clip of that one dude, you know, he was just, he was tore up. He was drunk and he just walked into a church. And he knew he needed to be there. So me coming back and facing the things of God, I knew what was going to open up in my life. But I know and I knew all along what I had to do. I knew that it was no one's fault but my own. No matter how much I drink and no matter how I tried to turn in every single angle and make myself, as me and my brother like to say, Vicky the victim, Vicky the victim. I'm not going to tell you why we say that, but it's, some, it's pretty hilarious. So I was Vicky the victim. That's who I was. Vicky. Vicky! And it, as annoying as that sounds, Vicky! <laughs> it's, it's really annoying living that way, inside and outside, for me and everyone around me. Well, how does that teach my kids to live? How does, that, how does that teach my wife what kind of home we need to have? How does that, how does that work at work? Being a victim of everything, getting online and crying about stuff. I mean, holy crap. Some people just need to shut up. I needed to shut up. Calm down. Have some dip. That's why I'm so glad that I have Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. You want to know what it says? In case you didn't listen to the other episodes, this is what it says. Check this out. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I like peace. I like God. I don't have a problem with either. I have problems with people. I say to myself all the time, I don't want to be like those people. I don't want to be like that. I say that all the time. And as a matter of fact, whenever I got back into reading and I picked up my Bible and I blew the dust off that thing and I started reading and I started praying and he showed up, I went from saying, I'll never go back to church because those people suck. I started, I started looking for a church. I knew I needed to go. 
There's good people in churches. There's bad people in churches. It's like the whole cop thing, you know, like one cop does something wrong. They seem to be all bad. And then the whole nation's flipped upside down. Well, when a couple of Christians go around with signs saying God hates fags and you're going to burn in hell, it really puts a lot of bad taste in people's mouths and causes like I said earlier, for the kingdom of God not to be able to function and to do its job. Because if you look at the things of Christ and you look at his characteristics and how awesome and lovable he is, and just if you just stuck with that, if you just looked into that, I think you could open up avenues for yourself and realize that it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to seek out the beauty in God. All that fire and brimstone stuff is just so, you know, 1955 called and they want their Jesus back. And I always thought that the 1980s were kind of cool because they were setting records on fire and dancing on records and... Shout the name of Jesus overall. It's all just show. That stuff is so stupid. As a matter of fact, God, I wish I had those records they were setting on fire because those are great albums. I've said to myself for a long time, I was just like, I want to go where the good albums are. Just another hell joke. I saw something one time that actually, um, it was a post that somebody had made that they saw a bumper sticker that was so profound and And I read it, and then I started believing in it. And I actually convinced myself because I believed in it. But the bumper sticker actually said, Jesus, save me from your followers. And as much as I didn't like the people in the church, and I didn't want to be surrounded by it again, that was all me convincing myself that I did not need that. Because I had not been saturating myself in the things of God. And I'll tell you what, whenever I started reading and praying again, man, I started looking for a church, even though I said I wasn't going to go. It's like the words to that old Screeching Weasel song, we become what we hate. Isn't that weird? There's that other thing where, I mean, I've been saying it a lot, obey God and leave the consequences to him, right? But there's also this thing that I read in this book that it says that, you know, it's mine to obey and it's his to provide. I wonder about the janitor situation Because when I heard the analogies and the stories, it fit to me like this. No one ever saw Mr. Baxter usually unless, you know, like my pastor said in that clip, like unless somebody threw up, spilled something, uh, somebody fell right next to him. And he was like, (laughs) that makes my throat dry. But, you know. It makes me wonder, you know, the way that he talked and no one could understand him. It was it was awesome and it was funny. 
but he always had the biggest smile on his face. And I bet his whole life, maybe some people might have looked at him like, you know, what did he just say? But I bet you if we would have spent more time with Mr. Baxter, then we would have understood every single word that ever came out of his mouth. So I, yes, you're guessing it right. 100%. Here it comes. I'm willing to bet that if we all just dove into the word of God just a little bit every day, that you would begin to hear and to see how alive it is and how beautiful and transformative and powerful and amazing and connected and just, it's just so freaking awesome. I don't want to be like a Flanders. Oh, googly boogly. I don't want to do that. I don't want to live that way and be a real turd on the other side of the fence. I don't want to do that. I want to live my life where I can go and just, like I said, turn my amp up all the way, be myself, and be who I was created to be by my man. And I love God. I'm so in love with him. Every day, it's just more amazing. And I haven't even begun to scratch the surface of the spiritual things and the connections that are happening in my life. But he takes me on this journey that is just page by page, chapter by chapter, second by second, more amazing than the last. And from when I gave my heart back to God in the back of that car at work because I broke down. I couldn't take life anymore. And I didn't have the balls to commit suicide. So I just cry out to God. And the way that he showed up and took things from me that I never even asked for him to remove have just blown me away. And I don't understand how, but every day I just wake up And I just dive into his word. Some days I get an hour. Some days I get three hours. Those are really awesome days. Some days I sit in a chair until my ass hurts so bad that I think that I need to go apply for a handicapped parking pass for my car because it's difficult to move around. And I love it. So, as I said, In the last episode, I'm a little animated. So I'm going to be animated a little more from time to time. I hope you find joy and relaxation in the intensity here. Found another clip I want to play. And this one's a girl talking about the amazing transformative journey that God takes you on. Check this out. Closer you get to God, the more that God starts to strip from you. Old friends, old mindsets, addictions, patterns and habits that are ungodly. You're gonna go on a whole transformation. Now this process is tough because it's really hard to let go of something that you were so accustomed to. Like God is gonna start to show you the woman or the man that he created you to be. We end up picking up patterns of the world 
and that starts to become who we are and we start to be reconditioned by the mentality of this world and you forget the person that God created you to be. I like to use the caterpillar turning into a butterfly metaphor because that's essentially what's happening. You're turning into something new. You're being reborn. You are blossoming into a butterfly. You're gonna be in that cocoon phase for a while. The length or the period of that depends on how obedient you are. See, I looked at it like God gave me a new test every week. And if you keep failing that one test, you're gonna stay stagnant on that same level. The more that you pass these tests that God gives you, the more that you can accelerate. So it's so important to be obedient to what God is teaching you and let go of what is not serving you. So much of what she said applies to me on a daily basis. I don't yell at people at work anymore. I don't, um, I don't come home really and vent about my day in a super aggressive, angry kind of way that is disruptive to the rest of our evenings. I used to come home because I had to contain everything at work and then I would just voice to my wife and the kids would be in their rooms and God forbid, they probably thought we were about to kill each other, but it was just me talking about people at work, you know, and half that at work was my fault, you know, and there I was screaming about everything. I do things in a way now that are just so, I don't know, settled and I used to get super mad at my wife all the time when she would, she, she likes to interrupt when we talk and she's always done it. You know, she's made her point. I've always done this. You know, yes, yes, she has. And I accept it. And I used to get so pissed because I get, I couldn't say anything to her without, without being totally and completely interrupted, but it's just how she conversates. And I think about in the book of James where it talks about be quick to listen and be slow to speak. And I think about how the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, as said by Jesus. And I apply those things to my life. And I've, I've listened to sermons and stories and my you know devotions and applied them to my life. And I've asked God for wisdom. That's a big one. Because when you ask God for wisdom, something comes with that. It's the fear of the Lord. You will learn to fear God. And it's not necessarily a way that's like, oh, no, it's Jesus. It's not like that. It reminds me of that old family guy who's like, oh my gosh, here comes Jesus, and he doesn't look too happy, you know? That's what I, that's the first thing I think about whenever I'm reading in the Bible every day and it says the fear of the Lord, you know, and I'm like, but, um, the fear of the Lord is, I don't know, just to be in awe of him and to understand that he is the creator of life and he is the creator of death and he is the maker of everything in between and for things to work outside of what he has that are supposed to be functional 
are disruptive and evil. And that is why I fear God, because I know outside of his love, it's awful. I wasn't happy, and I needed a real, genuine love to fill this void. Outside of my house right now, there's this massive hole in the street. I've been staring at this damn thing for over a week now. It's super annoying because it's right in front of my driveway. So these people come out, they dig this massive hole. Before they fill the hole, they put this plate over the hole. So, you know, I live right next to a school. So every time somebody drives over the plate, it's like, boom, boom, consistently. How annoying is that? Even going cars going down the road on a Saturday, early in the morning, you're waking up to thumps. My poor daughter, she's got a room in the front of the house, and I walked past the room the other day, she's got like six pillows over her head. I thought about that hole a whole lot. Because something needs to be filled there. And there's just a plate put over it. It's serving a purpose, still going, so people, it's plated on the road so people can still go forward with life and do what they need to do, going down the road, dropping the kids off at the school, or I can pull into the driveway if I want to. But man, I can't wait until it is filled with something to make it solid and operational and functional so that it doesn't so that it seems like nothing has ever happened. And I'm just going on a whim here and from where I'm doing this podcast, I'm literally staring out the window right now looking at this hole with a plate over it. They filled it with concrete this morning. That's good, yeah. So they filled it. But the plate's still there. So now that it's filled, that's the way it's going to be. And that's awesome because that's the way it needs to be. It needs to be filled. So you can drive over it. But until that plate is gone, I got to put up with those noises. I got to put up with the damage, the result of the damage that's been caused because of the hole. It's going to seem like forever. But it's not going to be forever. It's only going to be a temporary thing. And I thought, man, (laughs) how amazing. That's the story. That's my story. Out of all the places in the road, in front of all the houses in my neighborhood, there was a problem deep below the surface of the road they had to come and dig it up, dig it out, and get rid of all that old dirt to get down to the root of the problem. They put a plate over it. It's like a Band-Aid. It's a temporary fix. And it's causing some ruckus. But it's been filled. 
and it will be fully repaired and fully operational. He filled up the void for me. And he's fixing to remove the plate and I'm going to be able to be fully functional and operate and drive around and drive over and do everything as if that never happened. I really and honestly and truly believe that when God removes his hand from us sometimes, that is the story of the prodigal son. We come back running because we know we have a place. We know he's a loving and a caring, awesome God and an awesome father that truly puts people into our lives and operates in ways that allows us to grow, to be influential and share him with others. And the power of God and the creation is in full operation at the same time through us. I want to play one last clip of my pastor telling a story of how his father proposed to his mother. Check this out. Before my dad died, it was, in fact, it was the death of my grandmother. We, we were in, uh, in Bonifay, Florida, Holmes County, which is where all my family's from, uh, just about it. Um, and my dad took us to the place where he was born. It's now just a wooded area, power lines going through it. But there was a little cabin there where he was born. And that touched us and took us to the place where a house was that he grew up with a couple of dozen siblings, you know, and I mean, literally. And he told us this happened here, this happened there. And it just, it was just such a moving time. And uh, we're thrilled, we're laughing. Then he takes us to another place near the courthouse. And he says, this is, this is where I ask your mama to marry me. And I said, really? And boy, we're all into that. And, and he said, your mama was only 13 when I asked her to marry me. So her mama made me wait till she was older. So I married her when she was 15. And uh, he said, two things happened here of great significance. And we said, what were they? He said, first of all, even though your mama accepted my proposal at 13, she said, there's going to be no messing around till we're married. My daddy was not raised in church. And he said, we were sitting here in the wagon. I mean, it was like Little House on the Prairie, a horse-drawn wagon. And he said, I, was, I had the, the reins in my hand and I, I was so proud that she said she'd marry me. And uh, he said, I had never kissed her, never touched her. And I just reached over and put my hand on her knee, which was covered by her dress that went halfway to the ground. And she said, did you hear what I said about we're not gonna mess around? And he said to himself, well, I just put my hand on her knee. He said, and then before I knew it, she backhanded me in the jaw, knocked me off the wagon, and looked at me and said, I meant what I said. I said, oh, yes, ma'am. She said, there's something else you need to know. 
if you want to marry me, she said, I know that you drink. And my daddy, my mom said this, my daddy is an alcoholic. It's made our home miserable. I want you to know I'm not going to marry a man that drinks. Well, my dad said his heart sank. He said, because I was an alcoholic. He said, at our home, he said, in those days you'd go out on the porch and there would be a bucket uh, with, you know, a gourd thing that you could dip water. He said, we had one for water and we had one for moonshine. We were a family of moonshiners. He said, and I drank every day from the time I was 12 years old. He was 18, well, he was uh, 15 or 17 rather at, at the time. No, that's right, 18. He was 18 at the time. So he had drank every day for better part of six years. And he said, I had all the classic symptoms of an alcoholic. He said, I didn't know what it was like to not drink. And he said, she told me she wouldn't marry me if I drank. And my brother said, well, daddy, what'd you do? He said, I quit drinking. And my other brother said, how long did it take? He looked at us and tears flowing down his cheek. He said, boys, it didn't take any time at all. I quit that moment. I never took another drink. And they said, how did you do that? He said, I looked at a woman that I knew I couldn't live without. And I had to decide, did I want the hooch or did I want Eunice? He said that I wanted Eunice. And I thought, this doesn't happen. This does not happen. And he said, one of them boys in the Old Testament wanted a wife and he had to work for seven years for her. He was talking about Jacob, but he couldn't remember who it was. He said, the Bible says that it was only like a few days to him because he loved her so much. He said, I, I reckon I just loved your mama so much that alcohol lost its grip like that. And I believe the Lord helped him. I, I, I do, but my daddy wasn't even a Christian at the time. But I believe God helped him. And what I'm trying to tell you is that some of us need a getting knocked off the wagon moment. Not for putting our hand where it doesn't belong but for discovering there's something that happens when love is present that doesn't happen. You, you know, I, we, we, we teach discipline and there's a reward for discipline, but I want to tell you discipline is the lowest form of devotion. Doing it because I have to, doing it because I'm making myself. But when you love, no cost is too great. I was sitting there with my wife during the sermon and when he mentioned how that man quit drinking because he made a choice, because he loved that woman, it reminded me of the night, the last night that I drank alcohol. I stormed out the door on the way to the store. She thought I was going to go to another bar because I came home drunk and I was supposed to be home hours ago, blah, blah, blah. You've already heard the story. But... She basically opened that door up before I got in that car and told me that if you don't quit drinking, you know, you get the F out of here. 
and don't come back. It hit me so hard and I was so disappointed in myself and I had tried so long to quit. And I knew deep down inside every moment that I needed God, that I didn't have him, that I didn't pursue him. And boy, oh boy, I tried to get him out of the way, ignore him, ignore other people that would talk about him. I was the guy online that, you know, said thoughts and prayers and all that crap because I I thought I was just awesome. But I love Amelia. She is the apple of my eye and the just the root of my heart. And I've known that woman since the eighth grade. And uh, we both, you know, have always had a very strong connection with each other. And we have a story and it's our story and neither of us are perfect. And, but now with alcohol out of the way, I am fully able to give her everything that she needs. No hesitance. I mean, we still get in arguments. We still disagree. We're human. But we give each other love. And I love her so much. And it's because of the deep, real, impactful love that I have for my wife and how much she has an influence on me because she is such a wonderful person and a real, genuine, quiet, loving soul. She's everything that I need and I've always known that. And to have her and God, which puts her like, you know, compared her compared to God is just, you know, sorry, Amy, but, you know, God's awesome. And, oh, man, Amy didn't create the universe. God did. But I believe with all my heart, God gave Amy to me. A long, long time ago. He will use things to get you. To let your heart have ears and open arms. Like sometimes... Your wife is the best Holy Spirit that you can get in a moment. I'll be quoting that one forever because I just go to church on Wednesday nights for the in-depth studies. But boy, I go to church to get fed, you know. I don't want to stay there. I just want to go and get fed and then go out in the world and be me, but have God inside of me. 
because it works. I'm putting these messages out there because I want everyone to hear what I'm going through. And I want everyone to know what a positive impact God has on my life. The world tells you that God is evil. And you see things in the news and social media that people are doing horrible things in the name of God. But in all actuality, in all of the best of the best reality, the people that honestly seek God and the people that have a prayer life and the people that genuinely care for one another are the ones that are doing the work. The work doesn't get you to heaven. It's believing in Jesus Christ, virgin birth, sinless life, death on the cross and resurrection. That's what gets you to heaven. It's as easy as that. I love the chosen. I think it's beautiful. There's a lot of Christian media out there that blows But The Chosen is special. And if you haven't started watching it yet, you should check it out. There's all kinds of flashbacks to the Old Testament when the uh, Israelites were in the desert and they were getting bit by vipers. Uh, A man made a bronze snake and put it around a stick. In The Chosen, it shows like a shape of a cross. but because the Lord had commanded for the people to be healed of the snake bites, all they had to do was to look up at the image of the snake. Well, in the New Testament, before Christ went to the cross, he said that, you know, as, as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. It's that easy. It's just believe. Just believe. If you're looking for something to believe in and you're listening to this just by chance, you should ask him to show up. Show up in ways, if you're doubting in your heart, to help you with your unbelief. Or maybe you just want to shut the door to your car and get away from all that's around you like I did and just cry out to God. Within seconds, it changed my life. Seconds, dude. Seconds. I want to play a clip, and it's going to end this episode. I'm going to close with that. Usually, I close with some music and a little little ending for you. But this is a gentleman that I found um, on TikTok. He goes by... Black dot Avalon. It's just this dude, and he he looks like a hard working man, and he looks like he's been through hell. But I thought it was beautiful because the whole come as you are factor, and you can just hear and see the joy and the peace, and how he's communicating from the heart. Some of the audio is a little bit buried because of the music that he put behind it, but it's okay. Um, But this guy, it just, man, it just reminds me how I feel every day, realizing the goodness of God 
whenever I wake up and whenever I jump into his word or whenever I just open my eyes, man. I'm just so thankful. So thanks for listening. And until the next time, peace be with you. Good morning, guys. Um, my name is Rick. You don't know me. I'm not one of those people that does this sort of thing. I really don't know if this is going to touch anyone. When you step out of yourself and you do things that that are different, you know, it's you get emotional and maybe that's fear, I don't know. I think that we spend so much time wrapped up in how other people perceive us that our, our fear makes us not, not do things and not fulfill our purpose. Um, I have not been a great person for most of my life and uh, Oh, I uh, have a lot of regrets. I've been led astray, and I uh, think the point of this video is that God reached out to me and He put this on my heart. And this is for somebody, just as much as it is for me. Uh, word from Proverbs. Proverbs 16, verse 1 to 4. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All of the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose even the wicked for the day of trouble. I don't know what that means to you, but as a person that has continuously struggled with his purpose for years now, I'm telling you, all you have to do is dig and look for it. Trust in the word. Find yourself a relationship with God. Your life will get better. I'll see you guys later. God bless.